0: The following is a presentation of the Speedsport Podcast Network.
1: This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bike from the Speedsport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here's your host,
0: Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. Uh, after a few weeks off we, we're back i guess we uh we we got a little busy over the over the summer over the month of june as well as july there so here it is august and went to fairberry this weekend for the uh, prairie dirt classic and had a great time had a lot of people ask me in person up there when are you going to do another podcast so we're back and i just uh, so happen to have lined up the perfect guest for this thing tonight the uh, He's a local hero up there at Fairbury, and he got a—he uh, had a bad run of luck this weekend. I wanted to get him on to talk about it, and that's Miles Moose. So, what's going on today, Miles?
1: Man, just living the dream. Uh, just got home from work. Still kind of trying to process everything that happened this weekend, but you know, that's uh, that's over, and we just got to look forward to what's going to happen next.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, I appreciate you coming on here short notice and all that too. And I, I know like last year when we were up there at the PDC, we talked about getting you on here. So this is really a year in the making, but, uh, you, uh, you did something this weekend that really caught my attention. And I, and I was like, man, well, you know, I told him we'd have him on here. So now's the time. I mean, you, I watched you in, in qualifying this weekend and you, uh, you were fastest there in group B. I believe you, I believe you wound up being the fastest and, uh, didn't really have no race monitor and all that stuff. Cause it was no signal up there. So I don't know if that's the official word, but I was standing up there watching Mark Richards and all that bunch high five each other and their crew whenever they were to the fast time. And then you went out there and, and blew their lap out of the water. And I think it caught their attention. And that's a, that's a compliment for me saying that. And, uh, it's cool to see you doing it in a Barry Wright chassis too, a two or three year old car. So, uh, talk a little bit about that lap right there and then we'll go into the rest of your uh, your night and how how it went from good to bad to worse
1: <laughs> well luckily i get the race fair very, very you know pretty often unfortunately this year we we uh we only got the race there once and that was two weekends ago and i actually led most of that race too and i had a steering heim come loose and i let bronson get by me on a restart and but uh yeah, I was just watching, you know, watching the phone where everyone was running, and I knew, you know, we got all that rain the night before, and I was like, I know there's going to be moisture on the bottom, but, uh, you know, I, I went out, and I felt really good on the top, you know, when I took off, car felt real balanced, and made uh, made that first lap, and I decided to go low, and three and f- not really low, I just kind of ran it through the middle like I, I normally do if there's some stuff there, and it really didn't feel all that fast, but... <laughs> you know, I guess it was, it was fast enough. Uh, and then my second lap, I just ripped it around the top. Um, you know, and I guess my, my first lap was fastest. Uh, but yeah, you know, it feels good.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you had a good, you had a good show in there for sure. And, uh, and you went on and you, you pretty much dominated your, uh, preliminary race and, they looked like they threw you the checkered flag or you was coming to the checkered flag anyway. And then they decided to throw the caution for a car that was out of the racing groove and out of the way. And, uh, man, that's whenever catastrophe happened. And I'll tell you what, I was up in the stands sitting right in front of one of your biggest supporters up there, ML performance, Matt Logan. And he, uh, he was going ballistic over that. He was, he was red in the face and mad as he could be <laughs> over, over the call. To the throw of caution Then he was even madder to, uh, that when, you know, you broke that hub. So, uh, I don't, I don't know, talk about that, but man, you had it going on for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, my car was really good. I didn't really have to touch it at all. Um, you know, I folded my nose in on that first qualifying lap. Luckily it didn't drag or anything like that, but, uh, I knew if I could get out front and kind of set the pace and, you know, make my own laps and make consistent laps, I'd be, you know, pretty good. Um, but but yeah, I uh, I caught them lap cars and I looked down at my buddy in the infield and he was giving me, you know, his hands were as far apart as they could go. So I caught them lap cars and I just backed it down quite a bit. I didn't want to push the issue and, you know, getting a wreck over a lap car. Um, but yeah, when I, I came out at two, I, I really thought they threw the caution for Weaver because Weaver had sat down there for like four or five laps. And, uh, yeah, I, I come out of four there and they, you know, threw the caution and I honestly thought maybe I missed the checkered flag. You know, I didn't see it and the race is over, but that was not the, that was not the case.
0: Yeah. So then they throw two more laps on the board and then you get the restart and then, it was your left rear wheel right that broke off and uh man that just heartbreak for sure and so man i hated to see that
1: it was my right rear it it sucked and uh you know i talked to the guys at world of outlaw and i i kind of voiced my displeasure but i'm not a i'm not a mean person i won't get on facebook and you know but i have my you know opinion on what should have happened um and I'll just be honest with you. You know, I don't think that they should have threw the caution. By the time they did it, most of the field was by Alverson anyway. So they I t- said it was a safety deal, and you know, I I understand it to an extent. But at the same point in time, like the race was over. You know, just just call the race, and that was it. But
0: yeah, I totally agree. But I, you know, at the same time, I guess nobody could have predicted that was you're you were going to have that break. But man, that's a tough break. I mean, that was. That was getting ready to be, and I hate to bring this up because I know you hate thinking about this, but that was getting ready to be a $5,000 paycheck and, and a guaranteed at least $3,000 to start the feature the next night. And that just got just ripped away from me. And I feel so bad about that for you, man. And I hope you sold some T-shirts or something like that to kind of cover the cost. And that's another bad thing. Heck, it started raining that night, so nobody really came to the pits to buy T-shirts and stuff, did they?
1: No, we had just <laughs> enough time to find a hub and, uh, get the car in the trailer. Yeah. We went from, you know, we were going to make a, you know, eight grand and that, uh, I think we ended up coming home with like 1200 and that was just because we had 500 from qualifying past time.
0: Yeah. Dang. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a bummer, man, but that just got, that's got to add some fuel to the fire to go back up there. And I know you race there a lot weekly and a lot of the tracks in Illinois, but, uh, but next year, I think you'll be loaded for bear whenever it comes time for that Prairie Dirt Classic and go try to uh, do it again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, normally I'm pretty big on you know you got to draw early in the night and you know stuff like that. But I just spent two weeks in the shop and worked my ass off and made sure my car was perfect. And you know, unfortunately, I don't know if it that the rotor was something I overlooked or. I don't
0: know. It happened, and it's over now. I got you. Well, tell me a little bit about the uh, Barry Wright chassis that you're running. I know uh, uh, Barry Wright is from our is from our neck of the woods down here. I'm in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina. He's in Calpin, South Carolina, and he was just the he he was the man, still is the man as far as chassis goes around here. But uh, but they seem to have, and I don't mean no, nothing by this, but there's just not a lot of. Not a lot of them, not as many of them around anymore, especially in super racing right now. It's just, uh, but you're, but that might've turned some heads with you running so good with it up there this weekend, and especially with it being two or three years old. Tell us a little bit about, uh, the reason for, for using that chassis and, uh, if Barry and Lance and them guys have uh, been any help for your program.
1: Yeah. So I guess the whole Barry Wright thing started in 2017, uh, when we were running crates Uh, we had an opportunity to kind of upgrade our equipment we had run pierce chassis you know all through pretty much ever since i started running crates and i don't know what really made me decide to go towards the very right i don't i don't know if it was more they look like kind of a tighter race car than you know a pierce or anything like that so in 17 we bought one a used car actually i don't know if you know this guy. His name was uh Banjo or duke No, gosh.
0: Banjo Duke, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It was his car. Um, so we bought it from him, came back, and we ended up winning seventeen races that year with it, and uh, we were leading UMP national points until about three weeks to go, and got turned in front of the field and uh, junked that car. So in 18 we picked up a used uh pierce car and i i wasn't a huge fan of it so over the winter um i got a hold of barry and lance met with him at the pri show hung out with lance all weekend and it I just felt like the a, right
0: i bet that was a story in itself
1: <laughs> yeah it's a good time i <laughs> if 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 lance ever wanted to you know i got some dirt on him I'm black man
0: I no, I'm, not,
1: I, I'm just kidding they're, they're awesome people and i love them to death but um, we ended up buying kind of a partial roller from them, a newer car, and we struggled with it there for a couple of years. We won a couple of races with it, but nothing crazy. And then, uh, 2021, I think we ended up winning like four or five races in it. And last year at the summer nationals at Fairbury, um, the start of the heat race, I got turned and we flipped it and wrecked it pretty good uh and then i got oh, a hole yeah it wasn't good so what a lot of people don't know is this car that i'm running we cut the front clip off of it and jigged it on six jack stands in my shop so <laughs> i wasn't able to take it to Barry and put it on the jig uh they made me the pieces that i needed and uh a good buddy of mine that's been helping me forever used to build uh maximum sprint cars. We spent two days on it and rejigged it in our uh, garage.
0: Yeah. Because Barry's like, you got to imagine he's 13 hours away from, from you. So it'd take you a day and a half to go down there and back basically or more.
1: Yeah. And I, the way it was going to work out is I'd have to take off like two or three days of work. I'm like, man, I, I just can't do it. And I had, A ton of people telling me and including lance and barry that what we were about to do was not going to work but it actually made the car way faster so i'm glad we did it
0: yeah no doubt it was fast this weekend I, i was glad to get to see you have you know have some success and lay a lap down for sure the uh i guess the biggest thing i guess whenever i first uh called on you caught my eye was whenever you won that race at the dome in 2021 there at the in st louis did uh do y'all have any plans of going back and doing that again this year
1: oh yeah well we would have went last year and we blew our engine up as the last race of the year but um but yeah we're, we're definitely going back this year one way or the other
0: i got you i'm making my debut this year I, or not right not like driving but like i'm gonna go out there me and some buddies are going to go out there to the Dome and experience it for the first time. You know, everybody just keeps on talking about it and telling us how, how great it is and whatnot. And I've watched it on TV ever since they started it. But uh, we're going to get a, we got a plane ticket and the whole deal. We're going to go, come out there and hang out. So uh, looking forward to it. What can we expect?
1: The Dome's a different breed, man. It's uh, It's a great time. But it can also cost you a lot of money. You know, you can't, I guess you can bring your camper and, you know, camp out somewhere, but you got to get a hotel room, beers in the dome or eight, nine, ten bucks. I don't really know, to be honest with you, but it's a great time though. You know, after the races, you have a, you can go anywhere and you're going to find race fans. Uh, You know, the PBR is always a big, big hit there after the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I've heard, but the camper, I'm not towing my camper that far. It's like 15 <laughs> hours, but we yeah, t- don't do that. <laughs> and it's probably not that safe around there either, neither. So uh, we, we got us a hotel room. We should be all right. So should I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a great time and the atmosphere <laughs> is, you know, it's next to none. I, I want to say it is. I enjoy outdoor racing, you know, it's just, it's a different, you know, when you're in the summer and people are camping out and cooking food and coming by with their golf carts, but the dome is just different. Like it, uh, I don't know if everyone kind of gets a break there for a couple of months and they kind of come and let loose for, you know, then three, four days, but it's a great time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this too, about Fairbury. I'm going to brag on it a little bit. It's a different breed. It's a great time. I mean, it's, I've been to, over a hundred racetracks and and I I don't think there's anything that can can really compare to Fairbury the racing's excellent the people up there are nice and it's like you said people coming by on golf carts and if you ain't got it somebody there does and they're willing to help you with anything you want so uh them people up there are so good uh to us and we that's probably why I've been the last three years in a row and I, I got to thank thank Gunnar Sullivan and all them people for having dirty grass soil there because that's why i really got to come these last three years to get to those are my buddies right there we get to come with them and watch the race and uh, stay and drink a few beers and whatnot we have a great time
1: yeah i mean i everyone at February speedway does such a great job with that it's it's very well organized you know from the camping spots to where you know they put certain haulers and You know, they have the band on Thursday night. Well, they have one on Wednesday night too. And then the Shriners golf outing, I mean, they do it right. And they treat everyone there, you know, with respect and it's just a great event. And I'm glad I live an hour away and, you know, I get to race there pretty much whenever I want. So it's a, it's a great time. And the the fans there, especially the local fans, they are so loyal to that racetrack. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh, it's, uh, it is incredible. I remember the first time, I think maybe the first time I ever really heard of Falls, Fairbury, is, uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess we saw it on TV or whatnot, but like 2013, I mean, you got to imagine I'm in a different part of the country. That's just, and that place really what didn't really get put on the map, really, until recently, I don't feel like. But 2013, I was at Eldora, and there was a whole section of people up there in turn one, and they were holding up big signs that said, Falls, you know, with the hashtag, and I'm like, "What's, what's this about?" And then a couple years later, then he saw the race of the year up there with with Jonathan Davenport and Dennis Serb Jr. And I'm gonna tell you what, I hadn't missed one watching it on television. Or the last few years, I've gotten to go to the PDC, so it's a it's a good time. And if I lived closer, my goodness, I'd probably go there weekly. I'd have a season pass, probably.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great racetrack, and it's funny you bring up the Davenport. I wasn't in a super then yet, but I was there and I was in the infield and got to watch that whole race. And when I was walking out of the, well, I guess it'd be coming in turn three where he exit the track, Davenport was pulling off. And I was, I always feel kind of dumb for this, but I was like, as he was driving, I was uh, trying to get up under the car and look and peek and see what I could <laughs> gain. And <laughs> here comes Kevin Rumbly on the four wheeler and damn near ran me over. But <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of funny how it's all played out. And, you know, I went from that to, you know, almost winning a prelim. And I would have the opportunity to start on the front row of that thing. So just within a matter of, you know, 10, well, well shoot, I guess it's been 13 years since that happened.
0: Yeah. No, no, not that long ago. No, That's no, no. 2015. But it's, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. it's almost been 10 years, I guess, eight years ago. But, I, yeah, time flies, man. And I, that 2015 year, though, you talk about – looking under the skirt there. I guess uh I remember being there at the Dream and the World that year and maybe the maybe Florence and, and like it seemed like every race I went to that year, every crown jewel race that I that I personally attended, that six car was in Victory Lane with Davenport and Rumley and it was incredible and somehow uh secret the secret got out and I don't think anybody was ever able to duplicate what they were doing. I think it just got banned and now and uh so nobody ever really captured that uh that moment so I, I don't know it's yeah it makes you wonder though what you know every year there's a team that stands out and what maybe it makes you wonder what maybe they've got under the skirt what they've got worked on
1: yeah I, you know i obviously that whole year with davenport changed the way that their late model racing went you know from from then till now the the changes have been just insane and personally i've tried talking to kevin rumley Actually, last year after I got done talking with you, you know, when the band was playing, I walked over to him and tried to introduce myself and kind of just chewed me away a little bit. But I understand that he probably gets bugged all the time. You, you, maybe you maybe if he me. listens to this, he'll get a hold of me. I can just chit chat with him for a minute.
0: Oh, he will. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. Man, you just need to let me introduce you to him. I, I, Kevin came up to me after the race on Saturday night after the Thornton won. He had a beer in each hand and he was coming up and giving me a hug and this and that, which they didn't have a good weekend. They had a, probably a worse weekend than you really with Overton driving. Uh, but that, I don't know if you saw that deal, but I think they had a battery go out or something in the car. And But he he was still having a good time. Anytime you're at Fairberry, you got to have a smile on your face, and that's the way he was treating it.
1: Yeah, it, I, didn't, I didn't get to see exactly what happened with the, well, I guess it would be the five car, but. I know that he ended up starting behind me in that B Main on Saturday.
0: Yeah, that's that that there's B mains up there. Are tough man. I I knew, and this ain't nothing against you, but I knew with you starting that far back, I didn't think. I, I just knew that you didn't have a chance to make the show. And I don't mean, you know what I'm saying. Like I'm, I don't mean nothing by that. I'm just saying it's so tough. You're starting behind all them good cars. And uh, unless they were going to give you some kind of a fast-time provisional, that was the other thing I thought maybe they might do, but uh, but they didn't. But uh, it, it was a tough field to make. And it was uh, – like I went up there with the Chris Ferguson racing team, and and, and we were all lucky that we made it in on the uh, – I say we. I had nothing to do with it. I just went with them. But uh, they made the show on the prelim night and were locked in, and they just had so much – they were just sitting around – getting their tires ready for the for later in the night the whole day they didn't really have much work to do but i know everybody else did
1: yeah the bad part is then b mains were supposed to be they were supposed to be 20 or 25 laps and they ended up cutting them down to 15 for some odd reason i started uh sixth row inside and i made it up the fourth so and I was, I was catching the, you know, the front guy or, you know, the front four. If I, I feel like if I would have had them extra five or 10 laps, I could have made something of it, but
0: well I, I think just, I by th- the time. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I just, by the time I got to, got the fourth, I, it, that was pretty much the race is over. So.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what I meant by saying that I think with them only being 15 laps. Now you're right. If they would have been 50 or 20, 20 or 25 laps or something, it would have been a, it, I think you could have done it, but man, it was a been, it was tough in the 15 laps to come from the back like that.
1: Yeah, it was it was fun, and then uh I kind of just used up my tires and then and I didn't have anything left for that shootout. But
0: that uh man, what do you think about the controversy there in the feature on Saturday night? I I just I was I was livid about it really and I probably kind of regret showing my butt a little bit in the grandstands because I was throwing my hands up and asking why and this and that because whenever Ricky Thornton, they brought that caution out and blamed it on him, he really didn't slow down long and he only got passed by Bobby Pierce. And uh, I don't have a co-host today, so you're my co-host. I'm just (laughs) beating this question off of you. But I I was pretty aggravated about that because he should not have got sent back to sixth. And I just thought that, you know, they just took the win away from him for no reason. What did you think about some of that?
1: I'm thinking the same thing you did. I mean, I, I didn't see him get past at the flag stand, you know, when they have that blending rule. And the way I looked at it is he blended back in in second. Uh, now, why they threw the caution, I guess, maybe I understand, but it wasn't like he had come to a stop and he was only, <laughs> you know, off the gas for a few seconds. But when, when that all went down and they sent him to sixth, my my wife was standing next to me and i'm like they just pissed him off and he's gonna win this thing
0: yeah and that's they did
1: that's exact that's exactly what it did
0: and uh and 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 leaving and i was so mad watching the rest of the race i couldn't even really uh understand i mean i couldn't believe he was doing what he was doing but that uh that you know starting putting him back to six that was a big penalty because I mean he could anything could have happened back there in that in that pack of cars with only 20 to go with that kind of money on the line and all that but somehow it worked out for him and and I do want to say this like I think that that uh, the world of outlaws and everything should be lucky that or should be thankful that he won that he did win that race and came back from that and from that penalty because uh because I think we would have had a full-on riot on our hands if he would not have won that race, because they, you know, everybody would have thought they robbed him from it.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been pretty interesting, and you know, I don't have any issues with the World of Outlaws, but at, at some point in time, like these, I don't. I don't want to say the wrong thing here and get shunned for it, but there's a lot of money involved. So every lap that he would have led would have been five hundred bucks. So when they sent him back to six and he didn't, you know, lead them, I don't know how many laps it took him to get back to lead. It had to be, you know, 10 or 15 or so. But that's a lot of money.
0: Exactly. Um, that, that was one other thing I was thinking about. They, they cost him a lot of lap money by the laps he didn't lead. Um, if anything, yeah. like what I thought, and I know it was heat of the moment, but they had enough laps riding around under caution to kind of look at their video and say, well, you know, we messed up. We shouldn't even have put the caution out. And he stopped in there to talk to should He should have, you know, I don't know what he said. Uh, Kenny Canada back there on the back stretch. And I don't want to say anything bad about the World of Outlaws either, and I'm not, but I just want to see a fair shake, and I want to see a fair game. You know, I'm pretty sure, and I was thinking about this, like Major League Baseball, and they call balls and strikes. I'm pretty sure they probably get it wrong from time to time. But this one right here was – uh Uh, it was pretty evident with everything that, that we all saw with our own two eyes. And then I even watched it when I got home and it was, uh, it wasn't a hard call to make. Like, there's no reason he got sent back to sixth. And I hope that, uh, they rectify that in any kind of way, but there again, on the other token, he did win the race. So it all, it all worked itself out, but I guess they're just lucky that it worked itself out that way.
1: Yeah. Uh. I I really didn't know exactly what to think. I knew that he was going to come back and win it, but I guess I didn't know he was going to come back and win it, but I knew that when they did that to him, he was not going to be a happy camper. And I know Ricky, you know, not, we're not best friends by any means, but uh, over the winter we played video games and stuff together and we talk, you know, once or twice a week. And I, he's a good enough driver and he has a good enough car that I knew he would. But the other shocking thing is, is like Bobby. So, he's been kind of known as being an aggressive driver. And, you know, if he's about to get past, he's gonna, he's gonna let it rip. So I don't know if maybe the stick, the stick signals are, or if he's just point racing, like if he, if he knew, you know, if I settle for a second, I'm going to still gain these points. And he's looking at the the long, long long-term picture, but uh, it was, it was kind of odd.
0: Yeah, it was a weird, I think you're right about Bobby kind of point racing, but at the same time, I think he really, really, really wants to win that race at some point. And, and, and he will at some point, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. That was a wild scenario. I'm just glad it's, it's, uh, it's in the, it's in the history books and it was, we all saw a good show regardless. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to get your take on all that. I think we're on the same page on it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, hopefully, uh, hopefully they have a good show up at, there at Boone tonight. Hopefully that's a good show and, uh, we'll see, see where it goes from here. But, uh, man, I wanted to ask you about your, about your, uh, occupation. You're a, so you're a wind turbine technician. Is that right? Yes, sir. So what does that consist of? Do you climb those big poles and go up in there and all that?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, pretty much every day, unless there's, you know, lightning or ice, or it's like extremely too hot. Um, I work on Vestas wind turbines. You know they're 390 feet in the air. Uh, you got to go inside to climb straight up. There's no staircase. It's a ladder straight up. But really, it may or uh, persists of a lot of maintenance. So a lot of greasing, uh, torques. You know, just checking for leaks and anything like that. And there's a lot of troubleshooting that goes into it too. But it's a fun job i get a good view every day but it's also very risky
0: yeah i would say so Do you have like tailors and stuff attached to you to climb up in there
1: yeah 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 you can't climb or go up there without you know your climb harness and uh they call it a lad safe and there's a metal cable that runs from the bottom all the way to the top and you hook that on to uh it's called a lad safe you hook that onto the metal cable and if you were to you know lose your footing you'll fall a little bit but it's supposed to catch and you know
0: hold you there man i bet that's a i bet that is an interesting job how many uh how many people do you think are or like you know work with you there on, on a day-to-day basis or or do they, um, or do they just kind of just turn you loose in a truck and you just go here and there and check on them and i mean i just wonder how that's a different kind of an occupation than we've really got around we don't have yeah. any wind turbines right here in the charlotte area but i've seen them before out in the midwest and then tennessee and everything so
1: yeah, so pretty much what happens is uh, there, we've got six techs at our site, and it's right outside of Lincoln here. So, like, I'm sitting on my front porch, and I can see them from my house. But uh, every morning we'll go in, and uh, we've got computer programs, and we can see, you know, what towers are faulted or, you know, that, like on the planet grid, what we need to do that day to a certain certain tower. And usually we've got, uh, you know, anywhere from a two to a four-man crew, and we just go out there and get it done.
0: So how much energy do those, uh, does one of those turbines produce?
1: So ours produce, when they're running like max, it's 4.2 megawatts uh, per second.
0: So oh, okay. They,
1: they, they, make, uh, they make a lot.
0: So they power all those little towns around there and everything.
1: The solar panels?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they just, I just don't know how they work. I mean, I, I've seen them over the years and I'm i am kind of ignorant to it. So I'm just kind of asking you like some basic questions, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I can explain to you how a wind turbine works. I'm not all that great with the solar stuff. Um, gotcha. I and mean, if you want me to take a second to explain it, you know, to yeah. you, I can't because I, I, there's a lot of people who really don't know. So yeah, please do.
0: For, we got time.
1: <laughs> so there's three blades right and uh so out and we, we call the hub there's a, a hydraulic um like cylinder that controls the pitch of the blade so when the turbine is running it could be anywhere from like the blades could be pitched anywhere from let's just say 20 to zero degrees and you gotta think of it as like a spoiler so when they pitch into the wind all it does is it flattens the blades out and it makes the turbine spin well that goes into a uh, a gearbox which ups the rpms which goes into a generator and then the generator goes to the transformer (laughs) and it sends it to the grid so that's the simplest way i can explain it
0: that's that's all that's pretty good that's pretty incredible though those things generate all that all that electricity and uh and they're and they're still building new ones and adding more and more to them as we speak aren't they
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Illinois is like boomtown for them. So we've got like four or five more wind farms going up just around like central Illinois here. And everyone has their own opinion on them and I I respect them all, but the way I look at it is it's my occupation and that's how I get that's how I pay my bills.
0: So Yeah, no doubt. I don't have a problem with them. I think they're well. they're kind of funny looking. You see like if you go to cross there for miles and miles you just see them not miles and miles, that's your name. That's not a pun intended there, but, uh, that's all you see out across there. And, uh, they, uh, but they're pretty cool technology for sure. And they, they do what they're designed to do. And it's uh, like you said, it provides, uh, careers and opportunities for people like you. And, and you can take that, uh, that money you earn and go, uh, go racing on the weekends and give everybody a show. So,
1: yeah, it's a big
0: part of it it makes the world go around. So. Well Miles, I, I'm looking for what else you got coming up over the next few weeks? Racing. Um so
1: actually I'm I'm leaving for Florida this this Friday. We're just going for a weekend, so I won't be racing uh this coming weekend. But uh the weekend after that I've gotta look. I know there's a world of outlaw race up here in Davenport, Iowa coming up. I think it's the end of August. So when I get back I'll probably hit February that Saturday or Um, try and find a decent decent race around here but to be honest with you we've only raced eight times this year so um it's been i don't want to get too personal but it's been kind of a rough year you know i I lost my mom a couple months ago and then two weeks after that i lost my uncle and my wife was diagnosed with um, melanoma on her back and luckily we got that all taken care of so it's been a very emotional year per se, but it's also been a good year. So
0: I understand where you're coming from now. I, uh, I wasn't going to get personal here earlier, but I lost one of my favorite uncles a few weeks ago too. And that's one of the reasons I haven't particularly done this podcast and hadn't wanted to talk to anybody really. It was kind of a, you know, tough, tough loss for our family, you know, so I totally understand where you're coming from for sure. and And our thoughts and prayers are with you
1: yeah you too buddy
0: yeah so uh well i'll tell you what man i'll see you out there at the dome and if you get a wild hair and come to the world 100 at eldora or something like that we'll we'll hang out and uh, drink some cold beer together and uh, uh cut up and have a good time i'll definitely at the dome i tell though, you what for sure
1: i hope the next time i'm out of eldora i'm racing i've been begging the, i've just been begging to the race there and unfortunately just every year it never works out and you know we got one engine one car if we go there blowing engine up i'm I'm out of luck for a while, so.
0: Y'all got any plans to come to the World 100? I mean, it's just to, like, camp and hang out and spectate or what?
1: I'm thinking about it.
0: You should. Dirty, it, Dirty Grass Soul's going to be there again on Wednesday. I've kind of packaged that deal together with my company, SRI Performance, and we've, we're bringing them out there on Wednesday night for a pre-race party. So that alone should get you there, I think.
1: I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. Unfortunately, I only got so much PTO time and
0: I know how that is too. Yep.
1: Yeah. It sucks having a, having a real job and stuff like that, but.
0: I've tried to figure out a way to work, work those deals out too. So that's a, that's another story. But anyway, yeah, man. Well,
1: yeah. if, If anyone out there is looking for a, you know, a driver, you know, maybe for next year, just hit me up. But if, if it is possible, if I could go through and just kind of think, you know, my, my family and yeah, a few of my sure. sponsors, if that's all right. For sure. So I guess I could have gave you a quick rundown of like my racing career, but it's really, it's fine. But, uh, you know, it's my dad and I pretty much, you know, he, he funds it and I've got, um, you know, a couple of buddies that help me not full time, but it's after work. I actually work with one of them. His name's Christian. And uh, we go to the shop every night together after we work all day together. So, um, and then Renegade Race Fuels, you know, it's it's my biggest. And they're from, uh, they're in Kentucky. Well, I guess you're South Carolina, but uh, me realty here in Lincoln, Tucker Automotive, Josh Carroll Trucking, uh, Lighting Performance Group, AAA Siding and Windows, um, SRI. Uh, they used to help me out a little bit. I haven't really talked to, it was Randy Keen Keene that I talked to.
0: Well, you got my number but, uh, now, so I'm still there. So you can get, you can holler at me if you need anything. We'll take care right.
1: of it. Yeah, and then ML Performance, uh, the Lodge off 66. Um, there's there's a ton of people that helped me get around the racetrack, and I'm forever thankful for all of them.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do this again some other time. We'll talk. We'll go back into the racing career. And I'll tell you what, you made a pretty good co-host in a way, too. They're talking about some of that stuff that went on this weekend. So uh, we may pick your brain again sometime. But I appreciate you coming on here in short notice and like I say, this was about a year in the works when I first met you and talked to you and your dad there last year at Fairbury. So glad to finally make it work, and uh, hopefully you have the most success here in the future in racing and in and, and your job, and I appreciated you telling us all about it.
1: Yeah, no problem. If you ever do need a co-host, you know, whether it's – I don't even have to talk about myself. We can talk about racing. I love it. You know, it's been in my blood forever, and I have a lot of different – I was actually talking to Michael Rigsby this weekend. and I'm like, dude, I've got a lot of different – not insight but the way i look at things is probably different than the way a lot of other people look at it and they just don't see the behind the scenes part of it
0: no for sure no i'll tell you what dude i'm telling you whenever i rode up there with the chris ferguson racing team I, i guess we were about done but i do want to put this on the podcast while you're on here you know so i worked that day on wednesday and then uh then went over to his shop and got in the got in the race hauler and we rode uh, two different drivers took turns driving it, Trey and Zach, and uh, those guys drove. They did a great job, but they drove all through the night, 12 hours or whatever it was, and we pulled in the pits at Fairbury at uh, like 7 a.m. And I, I got there, and like I said, I would worked from 7 a.m. until uh, 3 or 4 o'clock when it was time to go to the sh- race shop and leave. And not had much sleep, you know, bouncing up and down the interstate back there in that sleeper trying to sleep. And, man, and that's really the first time I've really ever traveled to a race like that with somebody. And it was sort of eye-opening. I mean, these guys that are out here doing it, it gives you a new appreciation for for what they're doing. And uh, there needs to be some more behind the scenes on that type of stuff. I don't think it gets appreciated enough. These guys are, that are full-time racing and doing this, they're just – I heard – turbo or somebody say at one time they're just glorified truck drivers really and uh, yeah man it's a tough life out there for sure yeah so. i
1: uh it, it seems like it would be a absolute blast but it also seems like i mean you spend more time truck driving than you do racing so
0: it's a job man <laughs> it's yep, a grind 100%. And, and uh and then you know then when we got out of there we were uh, parked right beside Ricky Thornton Jr. So of course the party was there, and it took probably a little bit longer to get loaded and out of there that night. But uh, coming home, I think we only stopped once or twice all the way home, twelve, fourteen hours, and we were back by like four or five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And I'm sure you'd done been to eat lunch and got your car unloaded and everything put away, and we're still truck yeah. driving. So. It was a different, it was, it was fun to do that. I, I mean, I recommend anybody that could ever, if you know, you could ever go help a race team or something or whatever. Uh, it's a pretty cool experience, but I've been to plenty of races in my life, but I don't think I've ever rode in a race hall or 12 hours from the house like that in my life. And that was, that was a neat, uh, that was eye opening, I guess for me, but uh, yeah, especially
1: they, with a guy like Chris, like I'm sure his stories are crazy, you know, being with Scott and <laughs> and, you know whoever else so
0: well me and chris, i like, get to
1: talk to chris a little bit but not much
0: well you remember what you said about lance uh right i've got uh i've got <laughs> some stories on chris that we that i'll never probably tell but uh yeah we me and him could probably write a book on all the crazy stuff we've been a part of uh, growing up me and him have known each other for a long time so he's a great friend of mine and a shout out to them I appreciate them letting me uh letting me hang along tag along with them this weekend it was a cool trip and uh, yeah, yeah the other thing you mentioned you said playing games with uh Ricky Thornton Jr. me and him go way back probably probably at least 15 years I was playing dirt racing games online with him racing uh, when when I was like 12 years old and he was too so like I don't know that's a long time ago we we've known each other for a long time so it's cool to see him have the success and like like you said we talked on discord and all these team speak and all this stuff all through the years and racing online and whatnot and he was a lot better at it than me so it shows
1: yeah yeah ricky's a he's a stand-up dude and he tried helping me as much as he could you know try to get my car back together on saturday and you just can't ask for you know I, I look up to them, guys. Even though you know we're all around the same age, but I know how hard they they all work, and it's it's crazy. It's a grind, and that's why he's so successful, though. It's because he's just he's that good, and he, he stays busy, and he's got a good crew too. But
0: yep, yeah, yeah, no doubt, they're very professional. So, uh, well, Miles, this has been fun. Like I said, we'll stay in touch, and we'll do this again sometime. And uh, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it.
0: All right, that's been another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, for Miles Moves and our producer, Rich. Thank you, and uh, we'll be back next time.